119th chapter of Psalms is probably the longest. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. And yet we're only going to deal with the first two verses of this chapter. Now you'll notice it begins with that beatitude, blessed or happy are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed or happy are they that keep his testimonies and they that seek him with the whole heart. Just sort of taken out of this scripture a few words. Happy are they who walk in the law of the Lord, who keep his testimonies. We may look at a verse like this and say, well, preacher, that's not my experience. You know, I have kept the law of the Lord at times. I'm not always disobedient. And when I have kept the Lord's commandments, I haven't felt any real degree of happiness. That hasn't been my experience. Well, the psalmist said it was his. Now, are you ever aware of a happiness that comes because you do what's right in God's sight? You, you say, well, I do it, but I'm never aware of any happiness. And we go on and say, well, if what David says here in this psalm is correct, then why don't more Christians be more obedient to the laws of God because everybody wants to be happy. And if you keep God's commandments and that makes you happy, why aren't more Christians obedient? That's a good question. The answer seems to be that Christians aren't obedient because they say, well, I keep the commands of God and it doesn't bring me any satisfaction and it doesn't bring me any happiness. Well, how can this be? How come David can be different than us? How come David can keep the law of the Lord and it makes him happy? How come it can be a beatitude to David and it can't be to me? Are we missing something that David could find? Did David know something that we don't know? Well, tonight I hope that I can sort of clarify this for you. Let me ask you a question to begin with. How do you determine if something is worth your time and your energy and your trouble and your expense? How do you determine if something is worth all that? You say, well, I base it on the degree of happiness it will bring to me. If it's not really worth the expense, that is, if it's not really going to make me happy and the cost is high, I'm not going to pay the cost. Sometimes you can go buy something and, and the price tag only say is $5,000 couch. You say, man, that couch wouldn't make me happy if it was $5, much less $5,000. So it's not worth the expense to me. I wouldn't derive enough happiness out of it to pay that much for it. And so people say, well, I look at a house and the house is going to cost me $100,000. I'm going to have to pay for it 30 years and I'll end up paying a quarter of a million or more for it. Is it really worth it? And you see the house, you say, yeah, I believe that house will make me happy. I believe that house will deliver enough happiness that I will put out that much money for 30 years that I might have it. So you see, we determine the value of something and its worth by how much happiness it's going to give us. The only reason we buy anything, do anything, primarily is because of the happiness we think we can derive from it. If it won't produce happiness, then we don't do it. It's a very simple little rule of life. I think a lot of times people shun a worship service because to them it's not worth their time and their energy and their trouble to get dressed and come down park their car and walk in. It's just not worth enough happiness to make it worth their doing it. So they just don't do it. They say, well, I get more happiness out of watching television than I do by going to church. So you and I do what primarily brings us the most happiness. 
when you have a choice. And when you don't have a choice, generally we don't find any happiness in what we have to do. We say, well, I have to go to work tomorrow. But if I had a choice, I wouldn't do it. And the only reason I do it is I want a paycheck, and with that paycheck, then I can get some things that will make me happy. Most folks don't enjoy their work, and given the opportunity, they would never go back again if there was some way out of it. So we're eager to do what we believe will bring us the most delight and the most joy. Very simple rule of life. I remember when I was at Dye Ball, been many years ago, one day my wife and I went to the grocery store in Bay City, which was only, a, I mean in uh, Lufkin, which was only about 11 miles from Dye Ball. We pulled up in front of the grocery store, almost in front of the door, and we noticed that there was a man standing there on the sidewalk. Maybe we may have forgotten about this, but there was a man on the sidewalk, and he was giving away silver dollars. And you don't see that take place every day. And people would walk up to him or walk by him and he'd stop and he'd say, would you like to have a silver dollar? And he'd held it out and he'd, he'd offered it to him. Those people would look at him and kind of back up. And uh, we just sit there and observe this. And uh, they said, what's the catch? He said, nothing. I just want to give you a silver dollar. Oh, no, are you kidding? You, you don't give away money. There's bound to be something to this. Are you working for the store? And he said, I have nothing to do with this grocery store. I'm not peddling any product. I'm not ever, I just want to give you a silver dollar. Will you take it? And Lawson said, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. Some of them, though, would very carefully and hesitation reach up and thinking he was going to grab it back and he'd give it to him. And they'd take it and he'd look, they'd look at him. Then they'd turn around and walk off to see if he's going to say anything. He didn't say anything. And then they'd smile. I got a dollar. They'd go around, I got a dollar. I got a dollar. Where'd you get? That guy's giving away over there. And they all looked, ah, no way. He's not giving away dollars. And that man had a hard time giving away silver dollars. Now, it was no promotion scheme. I don't know who the man was. By the way, Mary Lou and I got out and got us a dollar. <laughs> After a while, I believe this guy. You know, I watched him. But the point is, why did he do this? That, that, that was on my mind. What's this guy up to? What's the point of walking up to strangers and offering them a silver dollar? Of course, like I guess most people would say, this guy must have been off his rock. I don't think so. Some people come back and say, give me another one. You know, after they got one, he said, no, no. I've given you one, so I'm going to give you. I, the man did not act insane. He wasn't drunk. But what prompted him to do such a thing? I don't really know. But I'm going to guess. And I believe possibly he caught the excitement of the teaching of Acts 20.35. Now, he didn't say anything when he gave it the money. He didn't say this is from the Lord. He didn't associate what he was doing in any way with Christianity. He was just giving away silver dollars. When they were all gone, he left. Now, he didn't have a whole bag full of them. He just had a handful. Now, Acts 20.38 contains a great secret to happiness. 20.35, I'm sorry, 20.35. Paul says, I have showed you all things... How that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And you ought to remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, it is more blessed. Now that's that word, blessed. It brings you more happiness to give than it does to receive. Undoubtedly, the man who gave away the silver dollars must have gotten a pleasure out of the happiness he saw produced on the faces of those that finally took the money. To him, the smiles and the happiness that he could produce with a silver dollar was worth the cost of that silver dollar. 
Now, Paul says there's happiness, more happiness in giving than in receiving. Now, that's hard for a lot of folks to comprehend, and a lot of folks don't believe that. We always say, I'd rather be on the receiving end. Paul seems to say, and Jesus, you know, he quotes Jesus, that you're wrong. There's more happiness that comes from giving than it does from receiving. This is a source of happiness that selfish people never experience. And sad to say, most people are selfish. Most people have their hand out to take than their hand out to give. If people are selfish, they'll never know this aspect of happiness in their life. Because, you see, this source of happiness comes from making other people happy. I want to say that. There is a source of happiness that comes from making other people happy. But a selfish person is not concerned about making other people happy. As long as you are selfish in your mind, you will never know this happiness. It's just it's impossible. All right? If you saw two books in a bookstore sitting side by side, and say you were a child, I want to know which one would you purchase. The cover on one book would read, 50 ways you can make your mother happy. The other book has the title, 50 Ways Your Mother Can Make You Happy. Which one of those two books do you think you as a child would buy and take home to mom? It's to be the one probably, 50 Ways Your Mother Can Make You Happy. We usually come to God and we say, God, here is the way that you can make me happy. Do we not? Is this not really the source of much of our praying? God, here is what it's going to take to make me happy. Now, it's not wrong to believe that God has a desire to make us happy, you know. If he did not desire to make us happy, he wouldn't give us all these beatitudes. Jesus said there is fullness of joy he wants to give us. There is joy at the right hand of the Father and pleasure more. There is nothing that I say that the Bible says against God wanting you to be happy. See, the, the Bible says that God has a desire for you to be happy. But I think in our look for happiness, and we're always looking for it, we overlook a chief source of joy as Christians in our dealings with the Lord. Back to our verse, Blessed are they who walk in the law of the Lord, who keep his testimonies. Happy is the man that obeys the law of the Lord. Now what is the reason that David would want to walk according to the law of the Lord? If I ask the question, well, you say I ought to obey the scripture. Now why? Why should I be obedient? Give me a reason. See, well, it's the right thing to do. Okay, I agree with that, but you haven't motivated me yet. It's the right thing to do, but I don't always do what's right. See, well, it's the way to rid yourself of sin and therefore guilt. Yes, I agree with you there too, I, but you still haven't motivated me. Maybe I don't want to get rid of sin that bad. You say, well, what's another reason? I believe there's a higher reason why we ought to be obedient to the law of God. Why? It's a source of pleasure. Now that usually catches our attention, you see. It's a source of happiness. It's, it's a way that we can find contentment as a Christian that is available to us. You say, how does it work? Because obedience becomes a source of pleasure to the Lord. Please follow me now. Obedience makes the Lord happy. You say, yeah, but you're talking about my happiness. Don't you understand the principle? 
Happiness is like a boomerang. If I make you happy, in making you happy, that makes me happy. It's more blessed to give than to receive. What happens if God is the one that I give something to? Is God not pleased? Is God not made happy? Yes. Well, then there is also in that transaction a happiness for me. You see, walking in the law of the Lord puts a smile on God's face. If you can put a smile on God's face, that'll put a smile on you. Just like that man that put a smile on people's face that received a silver dollar, he also enjoyed that smile. He himself had a smile as a result of it. I believe walking the law of the Lord lifts the Lord up. Well, if the Lord gets lifted up and you feel that and sense that and know that and recognize that, then that'll lift you up. More than anything else, walking in the law of the Lord makes the Lord feel loved. Anytime that you can make somebody feel loved, that will cause you, yourself, to feel happiness and joy and contentment. Now, we have a great potential here for happiness. We don't really realize. We have a source of joy that we don't take advantage of. We sing a song, I think we sang it a while ago, maybe not, He Touched Me. We didn't sing it a while ago, but we do sing this song, He Touched Me. And the implication is in the song that when the Lord touches us, He brings us relief, He brings us joy. What happens when I touch the Lord? Does the Lord get any joy and pleasure out of touching me? I think He does. Does the Lord get any joy out of seeing Him making me happy? Does He... I think he does. I think he gets great joy out of it. But was the Lord getting any joy out of me touching him? I think he does. Well, do I get any out of it? You should, if you realize what you're doing. Look at the book of Nehemiah. It's near the book of Psalms, just a few books before it. But the 8th chapter of Nehemiah has some interesting words. Nehemiah 8, verses 1 through 3, then 6, and then 10. All the people gathered themselves together. Nehemiah had rebuilt the temple. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man to the street that was before the water gate. And they spoke unto Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses. Now notice the book of the law, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women. And everyone that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. That's pretty long, you know. I guess about 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock. That's a three-hour reading. Both before men and women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Verse 10. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them, for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy to the Lord. Do not be sorry. Now notice, for the joy of the Lord, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want to change that last word. For the joy of the Lord is your joy. You see, they had done something here that had touched the Lord, that had impressed the Lord, that had pleased the Lord, that had brought the Lord joy. 
they had read his law, they had worshipped him, they had said amen to everything the law has said, and then the Lord says, I feel joy. And then he goes and tells them, the joy of the Lord is your joy. You have made God happy. And he says, this ought to make you happy. There is a sense of sorrow and a sense of grief and a sense of sadness that falls over a soul when it knows that it has made the Lord unhappy. It brings a, a coldness, a deadness into our soul when we know the Lord is no longer happy with what we've done. When we break the law of God, we have disappointed the Lord, we've in a real sense shown that we don't really love Him, this has a effect, an effect upon us. It dampens our spirit, it makes us sad, it makes us burdened. But just the opposite happens, you see. When you please the Lord, obey the law, and recognize the Lord is pleased and overjoyed by what you have done for Him, what you have given to Him. And then the Lord is made happy, and the Lord says, you in turn ought to feel a happiness just from making me happy. In this sense, you see, holiness becomes a source of happiness. If I am holy, I do it for the Lord. And whatever I do to make the Lord happy, in turn should make me happy. If I really understand the principle, it's more blessed to give than to receive. To put a smile on God's face ought to put a smile on my face. That's the way it ought to work. And I mean, that's what Dave was saying in, in 119.1. Happy is the man that obeys the Lord because he has made the Lord happy. And happiness comes from making other people happy. Sometimes our hearts become grateful for what the Lord has done for us and we want to know what can I do to show the Lord my appreciation Jesus tells you what to do in John 14 15 now he's God see God tells you what he wants you to do John 14 15 if you love me if you want to make me happy if you want to bring me joy all you got to do is keep my commandments what did David say happy is a man that walks in the law of the Lord and that keeps his testimonies Nothing delights the Lord more than for you to value His happiness. I want to say it again. Nothing impresses the Lord more than that you value His happiness. If you want to make Him happy, if you want to please Him, if you have no other reason to go to church, that'll be good enough. If you have no other reason to behave yourself morally, that's it right there. If you, if you can't find any other reason if you don't want to make God happy, you're a very selfish person. All you think about yourself. And you'll never know happiness in the Lord. And the joy of the Lord will never rest on your spirit. You, know, you can sing all the songs about, I've got the joy, joy, joy. And that's a joke joy. You're not going to have any joy. If you're selfish and dealing with the Lord, you'll never know joy. You see? You'll know guilt and shame and embarrassment because you don't care about making him happy. If you don't want to make somebody happy, then you'll never be happy around that person. That's real tragic. You've got to want to make somebody else happy to want to be around that person. And that's why a lot of folks don't pray. They don't want to be around the Lord. That's why they don't go to church. They don't want to be around the Lord. That's why they don't want to read Scripture. They don't want to be around the Lord. And the reason is it's selfish. They don't want the Lord to get pleasure out of them. And that's why God made us. That's why God created man and put him on this earth in the first place. That he could derive pleasure out of man. What would man do? he just obey the laws. Just obey the laws. Why would I do that? It's the way that I have expressing to God a love I have for Him 
We can go to God and say, God, the reason I'm doing this is I want you to be happy. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why Jesus said, I have not come do my will, but my Father's will. That's the reason he did it. Jesus said, I want to make my Father happy. And that's why he said, my joy comes from doing the will of my Father. Jesus practiced this very principle. And he talked about, I've got a joy I want to give to you. It's a joy the world has no knowledge of. It was a joy that comes from making somebody else happy. And that somebody else happened to be the Father in heaven. Just knowing that you can bring pleasure to God ought in itself bring you some pleasure. Just think about it. In closing, we sing a song. I feel so good. I feel so good just to know I've been redeemed. Makes me feel good. I want to give you another verse. I feel so good. I feel so good just to know I made him glad. Makes me feel so good. Father, we're thankful tonight that you cared enough to want to make us happy. When you do that, we do know that you also yourself feel happy about this act. And in turn, may we realize that a source of happiness for us is to do the same thing, to try to make you happy by obeying your will, pleasing and serving you. And in doing so, we also feel a degree of happiness. May we learn this principle tonight that happiness comes from making other people happy. It is more blessed to give than to receive especially when you give to God what God desires. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.